I'm beginning a new series of messages entitled Finding Freedom. This is what I believe. I believe there's so much bad in the best of us and there's so much good in the worst of us. It hardly behooves any of us to talk about the rest of us. Amen. I truly believe that we're all slaves to something. We're all slaves to something. And I'm going to be talking about how can you get freedom from addiction? How can you get freedom from guilt? How can you get freedom from anger? How can you get freedom from perfectionism? How can you experience freedom in your life? Well, the answer is in the Word of God. We're going to look every week at how we can find freedom from something. I want you to take your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you have. We're going to stand. We're going to go to a portion of Scripture, folks. I started preaching when I was 17. That's 17 or 18 years ago. And uh, I started preaching when I was 17. And all these years, I've never preached. I've alluded to this verse, but I've never preached from this portion of Scripture. That's the thing about the Word of God. It's just infallible, folks. You just look and you find something new all the time. Uh, no book. I just believe it from the beginning to maps, don't you? Psalms 46 verse 1 says this. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. And folks, that right there is wonderful. That's wonderful that God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear Fear is mentioned 600 times in the Bible. And here it says, Will not we fear? Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled through the mountains, shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river. There's been an old song, There is a river. <laughs> there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. I want to talk to you about freedom from fear. There was a columnist by the name of Ann Landers, and they used to be you would write in and you would ask Ann Landers questions. How many of you are old enough to remember that? Yes, some of you are old enough to remember you would write in. And Ann Landers said this, she got more questions dealing with fear than any other subject. More questions in the area of fear than any other subject. Freedom from fear. It was storming bad one night, and a, a mother went to tuck her little son in the bed, and he was very scared. And she tucked him in, and he said, Mommy, will you sleep with me? I'm, I'm scared. She said, no, I, I can't sleep with you. She said, uh, Jesus is with you, but I've got to go in there and be with Daddy. And the little boy said, that big sissy. <laughs> well, you know, folks, there are 700, there are over 700 phobias. I mean, 700 phobias. The number one phobia in the world is doing what I'm doing right now. It's the number one fear. People fear getting up and speaking. It's the... The, the greatest fear in the world is the fear of public speaking. Now, fear number two is death. And many times when I preach a funeral, I often think, they had rather be that man in that casket as be me. Because the greatest fear is literally public speaking. I just started studying about phobias. And I found out, here's a phobia. Homolophobia. Homolophobia. And apparently a lot of Americans have this fear, homolophobia. You say, Pastor Benny, what is homolophobia? It's actually the fear of a sermon. 
It's the fear of a sermon. Now, you know, folks, in reality, there are a lot of real fears out there. There are a lot of people that uh, have real fears. I mean, we live in a culture where we worry about our children. Is a mad gunman going to come into the school and wreak havoc? We worry about even in this season, am I going to get diagnosed with the flu and I'm, am I going to die from it? We worry about getting older, fear of getting older. I heard about one guy who put braces on his false teeth to look younger. I mean, literally. <laughs> we, we fear uh, having enough money. Am I going to have enough money for retirement? We fear if I go to the doctor, I'm afraid to go to the doctor, and I really need to go to the doctor, but I fear going to the doctor because if I go to the doctor, I might be diagnosed with something. We fear dying. There's all types of fears around us. And you know, folks, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that probably I'll preach about. Well, most struggles in life I have, just to be honest with you. Most things I have struggled with, if I'm not, I have in the past. I just think we're just a Life's just a progressive deal of struggles because heaven's heaven, by the way, folks. It's not heaven here. This is just, a, we're just pilgrims and strangers. We're just struggling to get through, amen? That's why, folks, I say, you say, Brother Benny, I'm looking to you. I don't want you to look to me. I want you to look to Jesus. See, if you look to me, I'll just disappoint you. But if you look to Jesus, he'll never disappoint you, amen? He's the one we want to keep our eyes on, the author and finisher of our faith. This, this fear here I can relate to. My mother said, she said, when you were growing up, when people would come and visit, you would go and hide under the bed. I said, I remember that, Mama. I remember when we'd have visitors going and hiding behind the bed. I remember when I was a little boy standing behind you. I remember just being so fearful. I want you to know something, folks, to preaching the gospel. She said, did you, did you aspire to that? Did somebody encourage you in that? Never. No. If I'd had my way, it wouldn't have been something I would have done because it wasn't where I was comfortable. It was, I was very uncomfortable because I lived a life of fear and I lived a life of low self-esteem. Now, how did you get freedom, Pastor Benny? How can we get freedom from fear? Well, folks, the answer for everything's in the Bible. The answer for everything's the Word of God. And so, I want you to see three things that are in Psalms 46 Verses 1 through 4. The first thing I can say is this. We don't have to fear because we have a refuge. We don't have to fear because we have a refuge. Well, you know, Psalms 46 and 1, look what it says. It says, God is our refuge. God is our refuge and our strength. He's our very present help in the time of trouble. Now, let me tell you something. God, God is the same. God changes not. But I want you to know something. Everything in life is going to change. I, I, I heard about a man that lived to be 100, and somebody walked up to him and said, you've seen a lot of changes in your life, haven't you? He said, yeah, and I've been against every one of them. I want you to know, folks, it's always changing. Life's always changing. Because, see, verse 2 tells us that. Look what it says. It says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried to the midst of the sea. See, things in life are going to change. Your job's going to change. Your location may change. Your health may change. Your income may change. Things change. But the reason why 
we don't have to fear is because those things are not our refuge anything anyway. If you want to know how rich you are, you add up everything you have that money can't buy and death can't take away. And that will tell you how rich you are because everything is changing. Look what David said in Psalms 27 and 1. I love what he said. He said, the Lord is my lot and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You say, what power, powerful words, Pastor Benny. But look what he said in verse 10 of this very same chapter. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Now, folks, this is what David said, a man after God's own heart. He said, even my father and my mother. See, here's what I learned. You said, Pastor Benny, I'm, we've got a marriage right now. That's, it's a marriage made in heaven. So is thunder and lightning. I mean, I've seen them, friend. You know, I mean, it's just all, all you know, Pastor Benny, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's just ideal. It's just, oh, Brother Benny, will you marry us? It's just ideal. It's just ideal. And what I've learned, then, then there's an ordeal, and then they're looking for a new deal. Amen? <laughs> but what I'm, I'm not even here picking on anybody. All I'm trying to say is this. Even relationships change. That's why your mate can't be your refuge. That's why a person can't be your refuge. God has to be your refuge. I tell single people, if you're single, by the way, if you're single and you're dating somebody that's not a Christian, that's as unbiblical as anything I know. I, and there's nothing biblical about missionary dating. Amen, Benny! There's nothing biblical about missionary dating. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Your refuge has got to be God. And if you're a single person, if that person you're dating don't love Jesus more than you love Jesus, you don't need that person. See, we don't have to fear because we have a refuge and the Lord is the only one that will go with us all the way. It's baseball season and uh, baseball's going on and I remember hearing a story about Bob and Earl. Bob and Earl loved baseball. They'd been friends, best friends for about 60 years and they said, wonder will there be baseball in heaven? Will, 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 will there be baseball in heaven? And uh, They said, well, the one who dies first needs to come back and tell the other one. And sure enough, old Earl died. And uh, one night Bob was asleep, and he heard Earl's voice. And the voice said, Bob, I've got good news and bad news. He said, uh, Earl, what's the good news? He said, there's baseball in heaven. He said, what's the bad news? He said, you're scheduled to pitch tomorrow. <laughs> See, here's what I know. The only one that will go with us all the way is the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, we don't have to fear because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a refuge. And that refuge is God. And God wants a personal relationship with you. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get anybody to experience religion. I could care less if you ever become a member of Rock Springs Church. That's not my heart. I don't want you to experience religion. I want you to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we need. See, we don't have to fear because we have a refuge. But let me tell you something else. We don't have to fear because we have a river. 
We have a river. You say, what well, a pastor, what are you talking about? We have a river. Well, what, look what verse 4 says. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. It says, there is a river. I wish I could sing that song. There. Oh, you don't want me to sing it. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, I read that scripture and I realized something, folks. The city of God is Jerusalem. And many of you have been to Jerusalem with me. We've gone to Jerusalem and experienced Israel. And we're going back in 2019. I hope a bunch more of you will go back with me. But if you've been to Jerusalem, when it said there is a river in the city of God, what I, what I thought about. Now, the Egyptian cities, friend, were built on the Nile River. Babylon was built on the Euphrates River. Rome on the Tiber. But here's what's interesting. If you've been to Jerusalem, there's no river running through Jerusalem. It, it, it just doesn't happen because if you remember, Hezekiah dug a tunnel underneath the city so there would be a water supply from the Gihon Springs. You can read about it in 2 Kings 20 and 20. It was to create a water supply for Jerusalem. And I realized something, ladies and gentlemen. It's not talking about a literal river. What it's talking about is what John said. In John 7, verse 37, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, here's what he's talking about, folks. We don't have to fear because we have a refuge. But we don't have to fear because we have a river. See, the Bible says this in Romans 8 and 9. It says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, when we come to know Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's what I want you to understand. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 11, last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that very Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, ladies and gentlemen, it dwells within every one of us if we know Christ. That very same, you say, Pastor Benny, I can't get victory over this. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, if God be for us, who can be against us? And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to fear because the Holy Spirit of God is inside you. And with him, we're more than conquerors. We don't have to live a life of fear because we've got a refuge. We don't have to live a life of fear because we've got a river flowing inside of us. Let me tell you something else. We don't have to fear because we've got a revelation. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? We've got a revelation. Well, look what the Bible says in Psalms 46 and 10. Be still 
and know that I'm God. See, folks, we need to deal with whatever we're fearing. <laughs> we need to deal with what, listen, I believe this is powerful because I believe what we fear, what we fear can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You say, is that biblical, Pastor Ben? Sure it is. Look what Job 3 and 25 says. Job said, the thing I feared has greatly come upon me. I know people who live their lives, they're motivated by fear. The thing I fear has greatly come upon me. Nick worked for the railroad. True story. Nick worked for the railroad. And Nick always feared being accidentally locked into one of those refrigerated boxcars. And lo and behold, one day everybody left. Nick walks into the boxcar. Door slams behind him. Nick says, oh, man. What I greatly feared has come upon me. He screams, he hollers, he does everything. He can't get out of the boxcar. And finally, Nick just says, I'm just going to go to sleep. Maybe if I go to sleep, I'll die in my sleep. Nick goes to sleep. The next morning, they find his body dead. They do an autopsy on the body. Literally, true story. He froze to death. But they checked the temperature in the boxcar and it was never below 61 degrees. What I have feared has come upon me. What I have feared. You said, Pastor, I'm, I'm worried about what's going to happen. Hey, listen, listen. Why, here's a thought. Why don't you cut Fox and CNN off? All it's doing is creating fear in your heart and life anyway. Let me tell you something. Let, let you get this down, folks, wherever you stand. Wherever you stand. I, I, I want you to understand this. Folks, our hope is not in an elephant or a donkey. It's on Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse, King of kings and Lord of lords. No, no. I want you to understand something, folks. God's given us a revelation there was a verse that changed my life. It's 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. No fear in love. 16 years old, I accept Christ. Most of you know the story, wrong side of the tracks. No dad, no, no family, mother ran taverns, did the best she could do, dropped out of school in about the sixth or seventh grade, did the best she could do. I love my mom. Did the best she could do. Mom went to end her life and found life. Prayed for me. I got saved. I, I said, Mama, this is strange. This may sound, but God's called me to preach. See, I still believe that, folks. I, I still believe there's something about when God places his hand on somebody. I just, I'm just, this occupational, no, no, no. There's something about when God places his hand on somebody. And I said, Mom, I'm called to preach. And I, and I said, Mom, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And I didn't tell my mother, but what I was scared about was I had real bad acne. Kids can be so cruel. I'm 17, and they asked me to pastor a church. Bless those poor people's hearts. 
There is no telling what I really shared. There's no telling what I preached. It's so far from the truth, I'm sure. But I did my best. But here I am, a 17-year-old boy, and I'm trying to interact with 50-year-old people. And I was so fearful and so intimidated. I'd often think as I walked up to somebody, I was so scared, I would think, are, are, they, focusing, are they focusing on my face? Are they focusing on my bad acne? Or I would think, do, do I perhaps have spinach in my teeth? Or I would even think sometimes, I, I hope I don't have toilet paper to the back of my pants. And it was so awkward. But let me, give you, let me give you a word from heaven. Awkward won't kill you. Awkward won't kill you. And so I battled that. And you said, Pastor Benny, uh, were, were people really focusing? No, no. It was years later I realized they were not focusing on me. You said, Pastor Benny, why do you know that? Because they were focusing on themselves. Because people are the same. They were focusing on their insecurities. And then I realized something. Love cast out fear. So what I started doing, I would go into a setting and I would look around the room. I still had the insecurities and the fear, but I would find somebody who I thought needed a word of encouragement. I would find somebody who I thought was maybe more insecure than I was, maybe more fearful than I was. And I'd walk up to them and I'd meet them. And I'd let them know I was proud to see them and I'd compliment them on something. And you know what I noticed? The fear started going away. And I really didn't totally understand, but I do now. Because, see, love cast out fear. Love cast out fear. You say, Pastor Benny, what is the antidote for fear? Here, hold on, this is deep. This is the antidote for fear. Get your eyes off you. Get your eyes off you. It's not about me. It's not about me. And don't live your life about you. Live your life about others because perfect love casts out fear. See, the fear of rejection will prevent you from connection. Somebody ought to tweet that. The fear of rejection will prevent you from connection. You say, well, Brother Benny, you don't, listen, I've been hurt. You say, Pastor Benny, you don't understand. I've been, I've been in relationships, and I've been hurt, and I've been hurt, and I've hurt. Well, friend, I don't, mean, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be cold, but how does that justify you not loving people? How does that justify you not loving people when there's people all around you every day that need love? There's people on your aisle today that need love. There's people sitting in your area today that need love. There's people all around you that need somebody to love them. And perfect love cast out fear. It was a, I had a great week this week. I said, Pastor Benny, if you had a great day today, oh, you're a great day. Because I made up my mind many years ago I was going to have a great day today. But I had a great week. This week we celebrated Barbara's birthday. And I went to a, I thought, what's the greatest thing I could do? What's the greatest thing I could do for Barbara for her birthday? And I thought, I know what it is. I can take her to see her baby. So I bought tickets and we flew to Kansas City, Missouri, so she could celebrate her birthday with Savannah Abigail. 
And we're in, we're in uh, Missouri, and Savannah says to me, she says, you know, Dad, she said, people that live here in this complex that I live, she lives in an apartment complex there in Columbia. Columbia. She said, the people that live here, I smell sometimes they're grilling out chicken. And she said, Dad, sometimes I smell they're grilling out steaks. And sometimes I can smell the barbecue sauce when they're, they're grilling out. She said, Dad, it's wonderful. And I said, Savannah, do you have a grill? She said, no, Dad, I don't. <laughs> I said, well, baby, where the, where's there a Walmart at? She said, well, believe it or not, Dad, she said, a mile or so down the road, there's one. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's go down there. And I, I said, baby, right? She said, no, we just need some. I said, no, no, we need this, this nice one right here. We need this nice one right here. So that's the one you want to get down. I said, that's the one I want. You need a good one, baby. You need one that's going, Dad, you're the best dad in the world. I say it again. Say it again. No, no, no. I said, I, we, we need this one right here. And uh, I said, but. Savannah, I've just got this rental car. It's a little old small car. I don't know. Let's, let's go out here. Come out here. So I push the grill out there, and I'm trying to lift the grill in the car and fussing and da-da-da. She said, Dad, it's not going to work, is it? No, no. No, it's not going to work. So I go back inside, and I said, I'm going to buy this grill. But I said, I need, a, I, I, I need a truck. Has anybody here got a truck? Nobody that works at Walmart owns a truck. <laughs> and I said, I, I want to get this grill, but there's no way of hauling it. And then I said, Savannah, how far do you live from here? She said, Daddy, it's a little better than a mile. She said, Daddy, it's 20 degrees. She said, Daddy, it's, it's on a busy highway. You don't understand. It's, it's, it's a freeway through there, Daddy. You don't, uh, Daddy. I said, give me that big coat that you got on. Give me that big coat. And this is what happened. So my dad is currently pushing a gas grill for me because it wouldn't fit in the car. So he was like, I'll just push it to your apartment. And so, yeah. Now, wait. Did you think about Brother Benny that busy highway? I did. Did you think about 20-degree weather? I did. I was fearful of both those things. But let me tell you something. My love for her was greater. No, 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 no. I don't, want you, I, don't, I don't want you to brag on me. I don't want that. I really don't want that. I don't want you to see me as some superstar. I'm so far from that. But here's what I want you to see. What can take care of that fear in your life is a love. When you have a love, folks, when you, when you get a love, it, that fear starts dissipating. My love for that girl caused all the fear to dissipate. And if you get a love, just say, I'm going to focus on other people. I'm going to focus on loving other people. I'm going to wake up every morning and say, what can I do to help somebody else? What can I do to love somebody else? What can I do for care for somebody else? And friend, the fear in your life will be gone. Now, you know the greatest fear? I, I was reading last night about old Larry King. Larry King said that the moment he dies, he wants his body to be frozen because he says he believed that way it will be rejuvenated. Rejuvenated. The Hindus and the Buddhists, they, uh, they've got the answer for death. The answer is reincarnation. Live again. Remember Shirley MacLaine? 
She said she had been reincarnated many times. She said in one previous lifetime, she was a water buffalo. True story. I'm not joking. Of course, maybe there's not a lot of difference between Shirley MacLaine and a water buffalo. But anyway, <laughs> the Islamic terrorists say the, the answer for death is to martyrdom for Allah. Martyrdom. So you hijack planes and kill 3,000 innocent people. And that's the answer for death because after that, there's 70 hot virgins waiting on you. There's something hot waiting on them, but it's not virgins. <laughs> what, is the, what is the answer for death? As a 16-year-old boy, I would cry myself to sleep because I was concerned about dying. Let me tell you something, folks. Eternity's too long to be wrong. We need to know that we know that we know and I had this fear of death. I had this fear, if I die, will I go to heaven? And my mother, my mother, again, would go in her bedroom at night, and I'd hear my mother, my mother, knowing very little about the Bible, but she'd get down on her knees, and I'd hear her pray and say, God, don't let Benny go to hell. Don't let Benny go to hell. I know he's been out tonight, but I don't let Benny go to hell. And one night about midnight, I said to mom, mom, I can't take it anymore. I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And I called my pastor, the pastor that we knew, and he said, Benny, you got to pray. And I said, I don't know how to pray. I wish I did, Clayton, but I really don't know how to pray. He said, well, you got to pray the sinner's prayer. I said, what is the sinner's prayer? He said, this is the sinner's prayer. You just acknowledge you're a sinner. You believe that Christ died for your sins and you confess your sins to him. He took me by the hand and he said, just pray this simple prayer, Benny. And I prayed that simple prayer. I never will forget. He looked at me and he said, how do you feel? I said, Clayton, I feel like a tow motor was on my shoulders and it's been lifted off. I don't know how to explain how I feel. But I feel like a tow motor was on my shoulders. It's lifted off. And I said, Clayton, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't fear going to hell anymore. He said, you don't have to because Jesus paid your sin debt and you've accepted Jesus. And friend, let me tell you something. I love you. I care about you, but nobody cares about you like you, about you like Jesus does. And he cared so much that he went to the cross and he died for your sin. So that fear of dying, the answer is Jesus. <laughs> the antidote's Jesus. The antidote's just coming to Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to fear dying. You can know that your heart's right with Christ today. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now 
to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.